0: Oh, 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 oh,
1: Welcome back to the Drop Outs podcast. I am Hunter and I have the two of the greatest guys I've ever known in my entire life. Statman, JT, what's going on fellas? Man, I'm just glad to be back on the
2: on the pod, man. Yeah. Uh, missing missing old Corey tonight, but glad we was able to get Statman who's uh visiting uh well, he's not visiting. He's I guess he's in Orlando.
1: Yeah, um, it, we are all in three separate locations tonight, but that's all right.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, we, hey, we're still doing the pod, man, because we're dedicated. We are
1: dedicated, and it's taken, you know, it's taken us a couple weeks, but we wanted to wait until after National Signing Day, which was exciting. Statman, he was, he's in Orlando, as JC said, went to the Hawks or uh, Magic game, which actually ended up being a lot closer game than I gave it credit for. Pretty good game.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty good game. I wasn't expecting much from the Hawks playing yeah. a double overtime game the night before. With the Knicks, and yeah. Then, and then going, you know, hopping on a plane and going down to Orlando and actually playing a, a playoff contender pretty tough. Yeah. Coming off of a, a double overtime back-to-back. But uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, got, I need to get up to Atlanta to watch him play. But That's right. It was it a was, it was pretty nice arena in Orlando.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, as much as I love the Hawks and as much as I uh enjoy Trey Young and even Cam Reddish when he's on the court, I. Uh, this is not an Atlanta Hawks podcast. This is a college football podcast. we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're only going to get to a little bit of it today because on the other side of this first segment, you will hear an interview that uh, I was uh, lucky enough to do with David Waters of the Gator Breakdown podcast out of Jacksonville. And he tells us a lot about what's going on in the uh, the, the world of the Florida Gators, what's coming off of Dan Mullen's top 10 recruit class uh, for 2020 what to expect in terms of breakout stars. So stay tuned after you hear from me and JT and Statman. You can hear that interview and the conversation I had with David Waters. Uh, Good stuff. So speaking of uh, the 2020 (laughs) recruit class, Georgia Georgia. secures the number one uh, recruit class in the nation for the 2020 cycle. All right. Number one in the land. We did it again. This is our second number one class in three years. And the one class in between, sandwiched in between the two number one classes, is the number two class. Is that right? We finished number two last season? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Real quick, right out the gate, shoot, just shoot it off the top of your head. First name that comes to you. You're going to have a, a bunch of names come after you answer this question, but one on offense, one on defense. We talked about this with Brooks Austin of Sports Illustrated on the last episode. Statman, out of this class that we got from 2020, who are you most excited about?
0: Um, I'm pretty, pretty doggone excited about Jalen Carter. Uh, yeah. You know, he's. Getting comparisons to, like, Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald and guys like that. That's that's pretty doggone exciting to think about.
1: Especially considering the fact that he hasn't been playing football for very long. Yeah. That means he has a very high ceiling. Yeah. And he just had his fifth star. So. Yeah, that's,
0: that's what I'm saying. He's, he's shown he's shown people enough in the short time that he has played football to get those kind of comparisons.
1: That's right. And to, uh,
0: to become a five-star, it's, he's got to at least – his raw talent is way above par.
1: That's right. So that's on defense. How about the offensive side of the ball.
0: Um, the obvious choice is uh is Kendall Milton. Yep. Yeah. For me, I mean, just watching him run, he reminds me a lot like a, a lot of Todd Gurley, and uh, it's he's only gonna get faster and bigger. Yeah, I think he's already gained like fifteen pounds, so.
1: Yeah, eleven um, pounds is what he's gotten so far.
0: Yeah, those those two guys are the two that I'm most excited about seeing.
1: JT, you got two—one on offense, one on defense. Most excited. Uh,
2: I think, well, Statman kind of kind of stole me on on Jalen Carter. Um, just you know, just his athletic ability um, is uh, is is crazy, man. Um, I think he's going to be a force really uh, right off the gate um, and uh, on offense uh, I know we had talked about it before you know the kid being possibly redshirted was um, a quarterback Carson Beck uh, you know I'm not,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'm not real sold on the on the red shirt thing um, you know from everything that I've been reading uh, would it be smart to do that? possibly but uh from everything that i've been reading man i mean he's they're really they're really (laughs) impressed for him he's made the transition pretty easy and it helped of course you know that he got there early and got to practice with him you know for the uh, sugar bowl practices um i really think man he's he's really going to move up that that depth chart and uh quite possibly could move past um, Stetson, uh, you know. I mean, it just it just remains to be seen. But I know he's 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 got all the tangibles, man. He's big. He's got a great arm. Um, seems to be, you know, pretty pretty well off. You know, upstairs as far as you know, grasping stuff and plays and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know, I'm kind of i'm i'm really i'm really kind of excited to see him. You know. And what what happens with that?
1: I have no doubt that he's going to be QB two. That's just that's just how I feel about it. All right. So what you you said defense? Do you uh, he kind of stole you on Jalen Carter. Did did you already say somebody on defense? Yeah.
2: Hey, well, I I went with Jalen. Kind of Carter. echoing I mean, Jalen it, Carter. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, just, I I mean, I just think he's I just think he's going to be a beast, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he is. Uh, I, I, I saw a video of him dunking, and uh, <laughs> yeah. They, you know, it was like, is this Zion Williams? No, it's Jalen Carter. (laughs) Yeah, he's an
1: athlete, man. Very good athlete. Um, Yeah. For me, I think on defense, and this is kind of a name that I I have, I've loved the kid since he he committed to Georgia. Um, He's kind of fell through the cracks just because of the massive amount of talent that Georgia's brought in, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I'm really excited about Keely Ringo, but it's not him. I'm really excited about Major Burns. That's not my pick either. I'm excited about Jalen Kimber. I think he's going to come in and he's going to – he probably won't play often this season. He'll probably redshirt. But you're going to hear his name come spring ball. Because he has a tenacity to him. And the way he plays the cornerback position, you'll see why he was so heavily recruited by Georgia. And he's been a lot – Keeler
2: Ringo was another one. I mean, uh, you know, I – just he's 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 a
1: freak too. He is, yep. <laughs> but the, we are so loaded at the defensive back position with Tyreek Stevenson, and you got Eric Stokes, and you got DJ Daniel, and then you know just a plethora of others that's there and ready to play. And yep. I and you still got Tyreek. Um, I'm sorry, I already said Tyreek Stevenson. Um, Campbell, Tyson. Uh, yeah, Tyson Campbell. Is it Tyson Campbell? Mm-hmm. There's so many. I'm forgetting now. So we, we've got a lot of talent there at defensive back. Uh, as far as offense goes. Sat Man already said it, Kendall Milton is one I'm excited about. But i got to be honest with you guys, he's not a name that really is getting tossed up a lot in terms of offense right now, but I'm excited about Justin Robinson. He's already been on campus, he's turning heads, he's been a great player. Uh, Much is being made about Jermaine Burton for good reason because he is a fantastic Mm -hmm. wide receiver. Arian Smith, I looked for him to contribute to, but for some reason I'm just Justin Robertson, whenever he 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 was one of the first to commit to Georgia in the 2020 cycle and stayed solid throughout the entire process. Like there was never a doubt. Yeah. That he was coming to Athens and I think he's just he's going to be a stellar stellar wide receiver. Maybe not in 2020, but eventually 2021, 2022, he's going to be a big-time contributor. But Our receiving
2: core is is just absolutely ridiculous. It
1: definitely took a, a took a step forward, did it not? It, it hit another level. I mean, yeah. Arian Smith, Marcus Roseme, Jermaine Burton, Justin Robinson, uh, Lad McConkey. Remember that name, folks. Yeah. Remember that name because it's not easy to forget. Lad McConkie. I kind
2: of like I kind of like
1: McConkey. McConkey, yeah. It's just something about saying McConkey. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then of course you get the Darnell Washington. That's in there. You got Trey McKitty, uh, who come, who uh, transferred from Florida State. So you know, and that's that's among the other tight ends, John Fitzpatrick and Ryland Goody, that we already have on campus. That's already been in the system. So, mm-hmm. offensively, I think Georgia's going to be fine. Now, I'll go ahead and say this: Do we need to go ahead and pump the brakes a little bit on Jamie Newman? Not because I don't think he's talented, because I do. There's a reason why out of the 30 to 40 quarterbacks that was in the transfer portal, Kirby Smart Company keyed in on Jamie Newman and threw the entire lot in on him, right? There's a reason why, okay? But much is being made about this kid, and he has yet to even play a snap of football in the SEC. Should we pump the brakes a little bit on the Jamie Newman hype train, or is it okay to go ahead and indulge in this a little bit?
0: Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I, I would pump the brakes just a little bit because there was a, a transfer quarterback from the ACC to the SEC a few years ago uh Grayson Lambert um we kind of uh,
1: got excited about him and uh Kelly Bryant
0: anybody? Kelly Bryant he played it at I mean Missouri though I mean it's kind of hard to be good
1: same conference as Georgia though I mean he's facing the same competition. You know? Yeah,
0: I mean, I I think I think he'll be okay. He'll be serviceable. I think he'll be better than Grayson Lambert, but I don't think he's I don't I don't think he's going to end up in New York at the end of the season. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what he has. But I don't, I, I don't, don't think... care
1: about New York. I really don't. I mean, I don't either. I care but... about Atlanta and then wherever the national championship is for 2020.
0: Yeah,
2: that's what I care
1: about.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, and, that's what I care about and,
2: too. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think he really. Cares about it. To be honest with you uh, about any Heisman talk or anything like that. No, he he wants to come in and 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 do what he can. Um, the transition, as far as you know, pump, pumping the brakes and everything else. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. Maybe we need to you know just just tap them a little bit. Yeah, because he's he's never seen anything. Like what he's going to see in the SEC. I mean, he's just—he's just not going to—he's not going to see that. Um, do I think he can handle it? Yeah, um, his size, arm strength, everything. I think the kid's pretty smart, also. Um, I think he can grasp, you know, stuff pretty quick. Um, but uh, it just—you know—it just remains to be seen, man. Um, I'm not totally I'm not totally sold out on him, you know. As far as he's the man, he's the man, he's the man. Um, it just uh, you know just remains to be seen. He's he's got he's got the size, he's got the arm strength, he's 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 got all the he checks all the boxes um, pretty much, you know, as far as as far as that goes. Right. Um, but you know, I mean. What kind of offense are we going to be running? You know, I mean, that's that's another thing. Nobody – Kirby's not really saying much about well, it. Well, Kirby's
1: not going to uh-huh. say anything. I mean, do you – listen, and I'll ask this question to you guys, and I think you, you both know what the answer is when I asked it. Of course, Kirby's not going to say, yeah, man, we're going to open up the spread. We're going to be a spread yeah. RPO. He's not going to tell you that. And no more than he's, he's ever – Kirby does not show his hand. And oh, no. at first, you know, there for a long time, like, man, that is really annoying because I want to know what's going on. But – I'm not entitled to that, so whatever. He can say what he wants to say. There's no way, no one was going to convince me, to include Kirby Smart, to, regardless of what he says in any press conferences, that he's not going to open up the offense and back away from it when you're recruiting the kind of wide receivers that you're recruiting, the kind of tight ends that you're recruiting, the kind of offensive linemen you're recruiting, and now the kind of coaches that you are paying millions of dollars for in Todd Munkin and Buster Faulkner. Mm-hmm. there's no way you're telling me we're still going to stick with the smash mouth round and pound. It's not going to happen.
2: It's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a change, right? Uh, it's not going to no be, doubt.
1: we're not throwing the ball 50 to 60 times like Mike Leach did back in, when he played or when he coached Texas tech, that's not happening, but we're also not going to completely abandon the, you know, a passing. game. we're going to go vertical. We're, we're not going to stick with the same formula that we stuck with in 2019 because Kirby smart, no pun intended here, is smart enough to know you cannot continue to do that and win at the level we need to win at. We got completely Mm -hmm. boat raced in Atlanta, right? And it was because of lack of offense. Now, he'll tell you we ran the same plays. Yeah, maybe so. And we did. Not with the same type of athletes. But now we got George Pickens coming back, who many are saying is going to be a 1,000-yard receiver, the first 1,000-yard receiver we've had since Terrence Edwards. That's a long time ago, fellas. Mm-hmm. you know yes, so it was. I'm excited to see what's happening now it's my opinion on Jamie Newman I, I think yeah we definitely need to pump the brakes a little bit because right now we just don't know but I just you ever just get a feeling like wow you know this just feels different because there's just not a lot being said outside out of Georgia about Jamie Newman even Kirby yeah. Smart he's he he has complimented Jamie Newman's maturity than how this was very much a business decision. He didn't. He wasn't interested in the recruit process. He, he was very mature and very methodical and professional about this decision and what he wanted to achieve, right? He was mm-hmm. highly uh, sought after when he hit the transfer portal. There was many schools that wanted him. Oregon being being one of them, you know. So I think like Jason said, J.T. said he checks all the boxes and then some. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He's got the accuracy. He's got the the mental acuity to adjust to this kind of what kind of offense we're going to be running. And now, because I, I know what you said earlier, he didn't face the kind of defenses that he's going to face in the, in, in the uh, A- SEC. like he, or He didn't face the defenses in the ACC like he will in the SEC. He also didn't have SEC quality talent on the offensive line or the wide receiver core or the running back core or really even the coaching staff. Not knocking. That's not knocking the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, folks. I'm not. But let's just call it what it is. Georgia's a perennial playoff contender. Wake Forest is not. Right? So it stands yes, to reason sir. we're going to see an elevation in Jamie Newman's game. We're also going to see an elevation in Georgia's offense. Now, all of that being said, gentlemen, here's a question for both of you, and I think we're going to spend some time on this. Because I want your honest opinions here, because I'm going to give you mine. This is the second number one recruit class that Kirby Smart has gotten in three years. Okay? Is it now, more than ever, time for Kirby Smart to put up or shut up? The clock, uh, is the clock ticking on kirby smart if he can't get this done and what 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 do we say when like what what time frame is is 2020 the year national championship or bust or is it 2021 2022 where are we at with this
0: I think if uh if it doesn't happen this year it's it's got to be by next year at least you know, getting back to that 2017 thing where you're playing for it. Right. It, that's got to happen pretty dull and soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, because it's not that we're not competitive. We're being competitive, and look, let's just call it what it is, folks. I'm not a fan of a coach getting fired in a five-year time period. you got to give him at least five years without question, right, unless you just do yeah, something I mean, weird. I- I think you should give.
0: That's my whole thing with new coaches is, you know, they get ran out of town two or three years into it. Right. Uh, if you're if you're bringing in a coach to turn around a program, you got to give him time. Mm-hmm. And I think the steps that Kirby Smart has taken has, especially in the first couple of years and the recruiting, uh, it's it's at least earned him another three or four years, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, because originally when I had this conversation with somebody who who's a, a listener of the show, but he's also a friend, you know, he kind of said the same thing that you just said that by next season. Well, actually, he said 2022. I was the one that said by 2021. If you can't have the if you if you haven't won a national championship by 2021, with the talent that you have, not just in the 2020 recruit class, but the one from 2018 and then 2019, these classes are just packed to the gills with talent. in all stages of the game, right? Defense, offense, every position group, linebacker, cornerback, quarterback, running back. There's no reason why, in 2021, Kirby Smart is at least not in the college football playoff and competing for a national championship, if not winning the national championship. Because if I'm administration at UGA, right? I'm saying, hey, Kirby, listen, we're paying you a lot of money. We're paying your coaches a lot of money. We're spending almost $4 million dollars on recruiting alone, we're putting in a 800 trillion dollar football facility here, right? We need right. to see something out of this, and I think that's reasonable by that time frame. I, I, I'll I'll say this:
2: he, he it's time it's time for him to put up.
1: I'll Agree that.
2: Um, now whether it's this year or next year. Who knows? But I will say this. If we cannot at least contend in the national championship picture, those top recruiting classes are going to fall.
1: They're going to start falling. Absolutely.
2: And we will not be able to build depth like we are building right now. No. And that's when things are really going to start to go downhill. So in order to continue to be competitive like that, we're gonna have to contend year in and year out. Yeah. And and you know if if we don't, I mean Kirby Kirby might I mean he's he's gonna
1: run out of time,
2: man. He's gonna run out of time. And uh, you know as much money like you said as much money as we're put they're giving Kirby every thing he wants. Absolutely. Everything. They and
1: they should. They really should.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If within
1: within the means of them in terms of what they're willing to spend. Absolutely. Give we're, him everything put, he needs. We're
2: we're putting money in the facilities. That brings in recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um you know things that that they uh, they do with the coaching staffs. I mean that brings in recruiting. I mean We've we've we got we've got to do something
1: without and question. We've
2: got to do something pretty quick.
1: And by that, by something, I'm gonna go ahead and say it by 2022. I've, I've I said 2021 originally. In my original argument with, or not argument by in my answer to the friend that I was talking to. But I'll say this by 2022. If there's not a national championship trophy in the in the case in Athens, then I would think Kirby Smart's seat's probably gonna start heating up, and that's when you'll start mm-hmm. seeing these. These number one, number two recruit classes—let's just say top three recruit classes—start to to decline a little bit,
0: right? Because
1: look, I mean, at, I think it's,
0: it's the same. It's the same situation that uh, Michigan's going through right now. If that starts happening,
1: hundred uh, percent, agreed. Yep, yep. Yeah. The only yeah. difference is, is that Kirby Smart's right. actually beating his rivals, where Jim Harbaugh just can't beat no, yeah, Ohio State I, I, ever.
0: I just don't want to. I. It's to the point at Michigan where. Well, who else better are we going to find? And I don't, I, I don't want it to turn into that in Athens. But mm-hmm. you talk about the twenty twenty two thing. Uh, I, I think it will be time to, to start, you know, thinking about it at least.
1: I hate and I hate saying I hate having this conversation, fellas. I really do because I love oh, I Kirby Smart. Like he's my guy. If if you told me right now, hey, listen, Kirby Smart's going to be in Athens for at least ten years. Cool, I'm fine with that. Because you know what I truly believe, guys. In my heart of hearts, in my football, football soul. You know what I believe? Kirby Smart is going to win a national championship of Georgia. Yeah, I will. just don't know when. I hope it's twenty twenty. Right. You know? Because these coaches he's bringing in, these aren't chomp coaches. These aren't guys that are brand new to coaching. These aren't first year coordinators. These aren't first year anything. Right? These guys know exactly what they're doing.
2: And one right. thing and one thing that might give Kirby might give him just a little more leeway a little bit of time as he is a georgia boy
1: he is an alumni yeah
2: and you know he they may work with him a little bit give him a little bit of leniency here or there um but it's not going to be another mark rick deal um you know and i hate i hate saying that but it's that we're just not going to put up with that because right. we've already got a taste of a national championship game, which we, you know, was within grasp, right? You know, just reaching for it and grabbing it. Um, and you know, playoffs, um, you know, contending SEC championships, um, being in the SEC championship three years in a row. I mean, yeah. we're just we're not gonna we're not gonna settle for ten wins. Uh, that's not gonna cut it anymore.
1: And that's sad. And, that's a sad state of affairs. When that's you, but at the same time, when you're recruiting the way Kirby Smart's recruiting, maybe it's really not that sad. I could say, hey, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna scoff at a 10, 11 win season. I'm just not gonna do it. I'm yeah. not gonna scoff at beating uh, Baylor in the Sugar Bowl, you know, because. That was a good quality win and a heck of a way to end the season. Way better than we ended, you know, before with Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, no doubt. But I, I, I'm with you guys. I think we have to do – Kirby, when I say we, I don't. I shouldn't say we. Kirby has to do something. I think Kirby knows this, though. Kirby is so aware. And, and that's the thing. I think he understands, look, he's not going to say it, but, hey, look, I got to do something. We have to do something, which is why you're seeing the kind of overhaul on the offensive staff. And a lot of yep. folks are pointing to this, the attrition that Georgia's faced, not just in the coaching staff right now, but also in in terms of players. Jake Fromm headed out to the NFL. Lawrence Tager's gone. Isaiah Wilson's gone. Andrew Thomas is gone. Among others, right? You got people. You got folks graduating, okay? Defense is bringing back most everybody, except for J.R. Reed and a couple others that are having to leave because of graduation, Tate Trowder. But –
2: Tyler Clark, who Tyler Clark, to the combine. Yeah, shameful.
1: But and as far yeah. as but look at what we got coming back. Listen to the names: Aziz Ojalari, Monty Rice, Eric Stokes, Richard LeCount, and then look Tyreek Stevenson, Adam Anderson, who is a monster and is apparently turning heads. The kids that's coming in: Macail Sherman, Mikhail Sherman, however you say his name, um, Major Burns, Jalen Kimber, Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo. These are high pro these are these are kids were five stars for a reason. I don't care what anybody says. And I'm looking at you, SEC East rivals, stars matter. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to talk about that too, folks. The star it, hang on, before I get to that. Georgia has to do something. That's that's the smallest short of it. So if you're an Auburn fan you're listening to this podcast, if you're a Florida fan, you're listening to this podcast. If you're an Alabama fan and you're listening to this podcast, you're hearing it straight from the mouths of Georgia fans. Rabid Georgia fans. Passionate. Bulldog fans, that Georgia absolutely has to do something with these classes that Kirby's bringing in. And by something, we mean a national championship. It's got to happen. Maybe not in 2020, not even 2021. But within the next three to four years, if there's not a trophy that says national champions in the trophy case in Athens, it's probably not going to bode too well for Kirby in, in the years after if he can't get it figured out. One way or the other. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I said this a minute ago, and this is a conversation. It's kind of off the cuff. It's not even on the script. Uh, do stars matter? I mean, I know it's not the only thing that matters, but they do matter, right?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's a reason that they're rated that high. Right. And it's it's a combination of size plus, you know, athleticism and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, camps attribute to that a lot of the time. Lots of these, lots of these three stars, two stars, four stars, some of the lower four stars don't go to a lot of these camps.
1: hmm They also don't but, play in areas of the country that are considered high competition.
0: Exactly, but you find the right, the right three stars and the right lower four stars, you can you can build a team. So I'll say. They don't matter as much as everybody thinks, but stars definitely matter because, like I said, there's a reason that those guys are five stars.
1: Yeah. Well, then you look at guys like J.R. Reed who was a two-star. You know, and he come in and he's he's an All-American safety. You know, developed because Kirby can develop, believe it or not, folks, whether you believe it or not, he absolutely can develop. Look at DeAndre Baker, who was a three-star. Then he was a Jim Thorpe Award winner. That's right. what
2: I was hit on, Hunter. Yeah. Um, was you know we we, we we definitely know that stars matter. I mean, if they didn't, they wouldn't have them. Um, and when they go to these camps, just like Statman was saying, you know these these are pretty these are pretty elite players that they're going against in these camps, and you know they get these ratings based on how they perform. Right. And, you know, there's there's a reason that they're given these five, four, and five stars. Um, now, does that say that the five-star, when they get into college, that they're better than a certain three-star that may be there? Well, that all depends on development. If you're willing to mm-hmm. work, um, you know, because. I've I've heard I've heard Richard LeCount say, "Look, when you get when you get up here, you can throw the stars out the window." Exactly. Because it's it's every man for himself. It's it's who wants it, and and a lot of those five stars have more athletic ability. But just because they have more athletic ability, that doesn't mean they have more heart and more want to. Right. Um. So. A lot of that, a lot of that plays into it, but stars definitely, definitely matter. If they didn't, they wouldn't have them. And Saban, you can ask him. I mean, stars matter. I well, mean, that's all he, Kirby,
1: Kirby Smart will tell you.
2: That's exactly right. Kirby
1: Smart. Well, but I've heard Kirby Smart say it. I've heard Nick Saban say it. We don't care about stars. The stars, we we don't look at that. Y'all, y'all do that with the stars. But, and there's a reason why I'm saying all this, and I'm not going to put this fan base on blast, because. They didn't have a great National Signing Day. Not the one one they expected, right? Because if you – and I'll say this in a minute. Stars matter. There's a reason why your coach, whatever team you're a fan of, makes offers and visits five stars. Right? That's the first ones they go look at, the four and five stars. There's way more four stars than there are five stars. Yep. But that's the reason why those are the kids that are being recruited first by the, all the power five schools, especially the top tier ones, Clemson, Bama, Georgia, LSU, all, the, all Ohio State. The first offers they hand out are the five and four stars. And it's not because, oh, wow, that kid's a five-star. No, they went and saw this kid play. They've watched the film, right? They see the reason why he's rated so highly. Now, that's not to say because Kirby Smart has targeted and taken quite a few three-stars. Who, for like JT or Statman said maybe just didn't go to as many camps as this four-star went to for whatever reason. Or maybe just his footwork's a little bit off, and there's a fraction or you know, a decimal point that separates him from being a four-star. Whatever it is, whatever the metric is that's keeping him from being a four-star. Because, I mean, we, we got several PWOs, preferred walk-ons, on Georgia that are three-stars, but are they're really good football players. So yes and no, right? The stars do matter and the stars don't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a complicated question to ask, and I think it's an interesting one to ask because the first ones that coaches look at is the stars. Zach mm-hmm. Evans is a perfect example. He's a five-star, and most everybody wants him. Now, UJ's backed off, LSU's backed off, Alabama's backed off. No one knows what's going on with the kid. I hope he figures it out and he, he goes where he's supposed to go and, and he gets and has a wonderful career. You know, but he's a five-star talent. If he was a three-star running back, right, having the kind of issues that he's having right now and being as wishy-washy as he is, does he continue getting recruited like this?
0: Uh, he would end up at, at like, Alabama State yeah. or somewhere like and it, that. Yeah, and that's
1: unfortunate because, to me, you know what I mean? I, just because he's a little more talented, do you accept more? And I, I don't know if his character flaws. I don't know Zach Evans. I don't know what's happening. By and large, it seems like, you know, he's just a kid. And he's having mm-hmm. trouble figuring out where he wants to go to school. I mean, that's got to be overwhelming. Clearly, he's not a he doesn't have a, a loyalty to a fan base. He just wants to go somewhere that's going to let him play or immediately and position him for the NFL, which is most kids. That's fine. Again, I hope he has a great career. But my question is, if he wasn't a five-star, if he was a three-star or a low-rated four-star, do universities still entertain bringing him on? Universities like Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. I, I don't know. That's an interesting question, right? Because then it's speculation mm-hmm. um when you look at the rankings um for the 2020 recruiting cycle we've already talked about the fact that uh our georgia bulldogs have the number one class right and immediately following georgia i'm trying to get it to load up now it's refreshed that's awesome um right below georgia's bama and then number three is clemson number four lsu Number five, Ohio State, six, A&M, seven, Auburn, eight, Florida, nine, Texas, ten, believe it or not, Tennessee, who had a great national signing day, right? Really good. Uh, Round out the top 15. You got Oklahoma at 11, Oregon at 12, Miami had a late surge. They came up to 13th, Michigan at 14, Penn State at 15. Um, Now, there is a big, big Grand Canyon-sized gap between – Let's just say the first three teams, I don't want to say Grand Canyon size. That's a little too much. But there is a sizable gap between one, two, and three, and then four and five, right? There's a big gap in the rankings. It's almost like – I heard someone else say this on another podcast. It's almost like it's a separate list. You've got no. one, two, there, three. There is, there is a gap. Yeah, and maybe even four. Because LSU had a great recruit class with Eric Gilbert and Elias Rich and other likes. So let's just say one through four, and then five all the way down to fifteen. It's just like two separate lists, and there's a large, large gap from the tenth rate recruit class to the fifth rate recruit class, and even more of a gap from ten to one. Yeah, it's it's I I don't remember there being a recruit a recruit cycle rankings that was seemed like there was this much of a gap. In terms of talent, because right now Georgia, Bama, Clemson, and LSU, no one's recruiting better than these four teams, especially Clemson, who already is knocking it dead on the 2021 recruit class uh, or recruit rankings, uh, along with Florida. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just there's a sizable gap, and this all comes back into what does Kirby do with this? Because here we are, consensus number one got four or five stars roderick jones cedric von Prawn, highly highly sought after recruits several you know both of them were put on flip watch roderick jones supposedly there was a chance he could have flipped to auburn van Prawn was visiting florida at the last moment but we ended up securing him much to do you know we haven't talked about him much can we talk about matt luke a little bit how, how oh, yeah! Do we have a little Matt Luke appreciation for what he was able to do coming in after Sam Pittman left to go to Arkansas? You
0: no, know, just nailing down those those top recruits. You know, after if arguably the the best offensive line recruiter in the country. Yeah. Uh, after after he takes a job elsewhere, just
1: him he coming in, in and nailing down all those yeah, he recruits.
2: Did. Yeah, he did. He came in like. On fire, like
1: his hair like was with, on fire.
2: Yes, with a mission.
1: Yeah,
2: and uh and I mean, it, like I think we've talked about it earlier. I mean, the the kids seem to just really take with him, man. Love him. Um, he brings a he brings a certain energy to that right to that offensive staff, and uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it was a home run hire um, by Georgia the uh, other thing to consider
1: man. too is this and I want, I want people to think about this and I know Florida fans and South Carolina fans and Tennessee fans even because they want to claim uh, a string, not a stranglehold but you know they want to say uh, we're going to be a threat for the East you know Tennessee and Florida and Kentucky and you know what they may be They and they probably are especially Florida Florida's going to be a day they have a very very favorable schedule and they return a lot of talent they lose a lot of talent but they also return you know a fair amount in terms of production, but I want you—I want people to think about this. Yes, Georgia has a new offensive line coach. Yes, we have a new offensive coordinator. Yes, we have a new passing game coordinator, quarterback coach. We have all this. Buster Faulkner's on on there in there. Todd Munkin, Matt Luke. Matt Luke was just a head coach, folks.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Todd Munkin has been a head coach. He's also been an OC in the NFL
0: interviewed for head coaching jobs in the NFL as well.
1: Right. Buster Faulkner has already been an O.C. Granted, it was at Southern Miss, but he still was there as an O.C. He wasn't an assistant. He wasn't an analyst. There's two former head coaches right now on staff on the offensive side of the ball for Kirby. Two. Don't think for a minute Matt Luke won't have something to say about that offense either, and that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't see Kirby Smart being involved with this offense to the extent that we did for 2019. In James Crowley. he'll have an opinion. Sure, he won't allow, allow Todd Munkin to be completely air raid. You know what I mean? He will not abandon the run, and you shouldn't. Why would you? With that? Oh no! Listen will. to the running back names: Zemir White, yeah, Georgia.
2: Georgia never will run.
1: Absolutely run. not with James Cook, Zemir White, Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, and of course our favorite Kendall Milton. I mean, that's ridiculous. That That's our running back room, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then you're giving Todd Munkin, who is an experienced offensive coordinator, had one of the best offenses in the NFL, right? Not, not NCAA Division II in the NFL, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when he was the OC there. So now you're handing him the keys to this offense saying, listen, look at all these players. You and Matt and Buster, y'all figure this thing out. Keep me updated. Of course, Kirby Smart's going to be involved, but Kirby Smart, what's his stamp? What's his mark? Defense.
0: Uh, okay. I I will say if, if the first play of the game, of the first game, they come out in an eye formation to hand the ball off, I might I might put my fist through the
1: TV. No, I'm fine with it. I'm cool but, with it. Uh, Don't show too much. You know, only, you know what? Screw that. Show everything. There's fireworks. That's what I'm saying. Put, LSU put didn't the, hold anything back all year last yeah, year, and look and where they ended up. Exactly right. And let's let's put college football on notice week one. Because we got a dogfight in week three, guys. We're going to Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. There's a that's yeah. going to be. We're going to know everything we need to know about the Georgia Bulldogs for the most part. Come after week three. I'm excited. It's going to be good.
0: I think I think that's one of the things that irritated me most about this past season is. With how bad the offense was, you had every single week somebody coming back that was at practice for that little 15 minutes and saying they were, they were running plays we haven't seen all year, and then mm-hmm. you got you got players saying, oh, we're gonna open up the playbook, why not open it when you're when you're down to to a team like South, South Carolina? Carolina,
1: yeah, agreed,
0: or what? Why not open it out or open it up when you're in a dogfight with Texas A&M, who shouldn't even be in in the same game as you right now Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's yeah I think that was the most frustrating thing so I'm I mean I'm with you I say first game go out there and put up 50 points
1: absolutely air it out
0: Yep. let's let's, listen you know
2: make a statement
1: 37 players on the defense at least 100 snaps last, last season that's insane think about that 37 players right over 100 snaps last season Let's do the same thing with the offense. You got the depth. Yeah. No. By God, let's rotate the crap out of these wide receivers. Never show the same hand. Never show the same set. Right. And you got Demetrius Robertson still. You got Matt mm-hmm. Landers, thank God. Yeah. Hopefully, Dominic Bladelock, You know, I don't. I don't look for him to play this season because it was knee injury. But George Pickens. Right. You still got George. You know. And you, that's, yeah. I,
0: you speak. You talk about rotations. I hope that's one thing I hope Matt Luke doesn't have to do with this offensive line this year is no. make a ton of rotations like we did last year because I like think Corey talked about it the last podcast I was on is there's there's nothing but zone blocking this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's get some of those offensive line out in space and let them go run down field and and yeah. knock somebody's head off. I mean,
1: well, we do lose Tade Mays who was kind of that kind of offensive lineman, but. You know, right, We have some freshman talent coming in. It's just so hard for offensive linemen to play as a freshman, especially in the SEC, as mm-hmm. physical as it is. But, um, but, yeah, guys, I enjoyed the conversation. We're going to wrap things up yeah, here man. and uh, let you folks hear from our uh, – Our friends at J.D.'s Landstapen and then our friends at uh, Backwoods Customs, you'll hear their advertisements. We appreciate them being a part of the show and sponsoring us. And then on the other side of that, you'll hear our conversation with David Waters of the Gators Breakdown, where he talks about the Florida Gators and what the expectations are for that team come 2020. Uh, Check us out on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Subscribe to our podcast. Go check out our friends over at Bulldog Maven by Sports Illustrated, Brooks Austin and company. They do a great job with the coverage of not just recruiting but just well, all the goings-ons in in the world of the George Bulldogs, to include the hoop dogs who are kind of having some troubles here and there, but uh, you know they have flashes of brilliance and then they get really good leads and then blow them. So, but uh, mm-hmm. go go check out our, our friends over at Bulldog Maven and Sports Illustrated and uh, SEC Nightly and check out Brooks Austin's page where he um he breaks down film of players. Right now he's doing this really cool series where he's taking a player and he's showing the film of that player and their NFL counterpart, a person he thinks uh, resembles our, our player in, in terms of the NFL game. Like right now he has a he did one on Jermaine Burton, and he talks about who he thinks his game is modeled after of a player who's already in the NFL. So check out really cool stuff, man, really great stuff. Again, we, we appreciate you listening to the dropouts. Um, JT, say bye to the people. Hey man,
2: enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one. Everybody can get, uh, live life to
0: the fullest, and
2: uh, as always, go dogs.
1: Mm-hmm. Stat man.
0: I I have to apologize, guys. I don't have a fun, fun, cool, fancy stat for you tonight.
1: That's uh, all right. You 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 just you being here means everything.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, but uh, peace out, everybody, and go dogs.
1: That's right, guys. Love and light. God bless. Go dogs. See you next time. See you next time. Hey guys, this episode of the Dropouts Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at JD's Landscaping and Irrigation. They are the professionals when it comes to your landscaping projects. Give them a call. Call Trey Heath 912-271-6320. They can and will meet all of your landscaping needs with expertise. Our other sponsor for this show is brought to us, is brought to you by Backwoods Customs Georgia out of Odom, Georgia. They are the authorized Rhino liner dealer now what is rhino liner you asked rhino linings is the world leader in sprayed on truck bed liners and the bed liner brand most asked for by name they offer the widest selection of professionally installed bed liner products including Hardline, tough grip and their brand new solar max which provides outstanding uv protection and color that's built right into the chemistry unlike other leading brands now they don't just spray your truck beds nah they do boats they can do atvs they can do your jeep they do coolers they do everything pretty much you can put a spray liner on these guys can do it so give them a call you got timothy here at 912-424-0565 and then ryan harrison at 912-402-3534 again that's backwoods customs georgia we really really appreciate their sponsorship they're great guys out of odom georgia give them a call backwoods customs georgia again thank you guys for listening Well, hey friends, welcome back to the Dropouts Podcast. I am your humble host, I am Hunter, and I have on the phone with me, the one and only Mr. David Waters of the Gator Breakdown Podcast. Mr. Waters, how are you, sir?
3: I'm doing good, doing good, really. to uh, talk some football.
1: Absolutely, and specifically, we're going to talk some Florida Gator football. And uh, you are a Florida Gator fan, yeah?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, the passion for the podcast comes from being a, being a fan first, and, uh, and uh, it. That's how it really all come together. You know, there was not a lot of Gator coverage the way I wanted it out there, so I just decided to, decided to start my own, and uh, it blew up from there. So yeah, yeah, but I mean, everything starts with the uh, the passion of, uh, of being a Florida Gator fan, first and foremost.
1: Hey, I hear you. Congratulations on all your success. By all, by thank and much. large, it seems you have one of the more popular uh, podcasts about the Florida Gators, and uh, we just want to thank you for taking time to be on this podcast, the Dropouts, which is primarily. We're Georgia fans, so we can be friends. See, this is it. Georgia it can, fans yeah. and Florida fans can be friends, folks. This can happen.
3: And it's funny. The funny story about that is, uh, I was born in Jacksonville, but uh, yeah. my my parents moved to Southeast Georgia, Waycross, Blackshear area. Okay. Uh, when I was uh, when I was when I was young, so I went to high school. I did middle school or elementary school, middle school, uh, high school. Uh, in Pierce County, Blackshear, Georgia. So that's where I went. I went to Georgia Southern, but I was raised a Gator fan. All my family's from Jacksonville. I was raised no other way. Huh. Uh, you know, my, my dad got kind of uh, kind of sick before I when I was making my college decision. So I wanted to stay close to home. Yeah, uh, I went to Georgia Southern, but my love in Florida never uh, never went away, uh, and it's now turned into uh, Gators breakdown.
1: Hey, that's good stuff. My uh, my wife is actually from Pierce County. We are a good 45 minutes from that location. So see, yeah, that's a small world. Right, yeah, well, I
3: mean, all my best friends are Georgia fans. So believe me, it's uh, I'm used to uh,
1: I'm used to the Florida
3: Georgia rivalry. There's nothing else like
1: it. I I agree. There's nothing. There's no other rivalry. I don't care what sport you look at. Maybe Duke North Carolina, North Carolina in college basketball, but as far as rivalry goes, there is no better, and there's none more fierce. Also, but <laughs> let's get into this about because Florida just had a stellar recruiting class and top ten recruit class in 2020. Tell us about this 2020 recruit class and who is the highlight recruit, if you, can, if you can name one, because there was just so many talented ones, Gervon Dexter, Derrick Wingo, Xavier Henderson. But who do you expect to contribute early as a freshman out of this 2020 recruit class?
3: Yeah, first, uh, I will start with uh, the highlight is definitely five-star Jervon Dexter, uh, Florida's first consensus, consensus five-star yep. uh, recruit since CeCe Jefferson and Martez Avi all the way back in the 2015 class, so uh, neither one of those guys really lived up to the five-star billing, but I, I'm a big believer in the Stars Matter uh, motto and uh, going for recruiting for the most part, and you know, it was big for Florida getting Dexter. Uh, yeah. six, six 6'6, um, six, six 286 pounds, feels a big need for Florida along that defensive interior. Uh, and, and a player uh, that, that he'll force offensive lines to, to account for him. He can play interior, he can get on the edge if he needs to as well. He can rush the quarterback from either spot. So, you know, I expect him to get better as he's really only played uh, a few years of football. He has he's, doesn't have a lot of experience uh, playing football. So, you know, he has a lot of room for growth. Uh, even Raven, as a five-star prospect already, still a lot of room to grow. So, he's the highlight of the class. But two guys I really expect to see play in time because of depth on the uh, offensive line are Isaiah Walker and Josh Braun. Uh, I do think they'll... Uh, I don't think they'll push for starting roles, so so to say. But, you know, we all saw the Gators struggle run blocking last season, really struggle to get that run game going and uh, really struggle at the right tackle position. So the offensive line, uh, I think they take a jump this coming season, but I don't know how big of a jump. So I see these two getting some early playing time because of a, a lighter schedule for Florida. And then by the end of the year, those guys getting some playing time. They'll both be on campus this spring, and that's instrumental for for offensive linemen because that's the hardest position uh, to come in and play right away as a true freshman, especially in the SEC. And There's defensive lines you're going against week in and week out and all that physicality. It's really hard for, for freshmen to come in and play. So they'll be in the weight room. They'll get familiar with the program. They'll be ready to go this fall. But also, you kind of you look at receiver position for the Gators and all the wide receivers they lost. So look for Xavier Henderson and Jaquavion Frazers uh, to get to that mix there as well. Henderson was the 66th-ranked player in the country. Frazers was 154th-ranked player. So you basically two top 150 receivers uh, or players at the receiver spot there. So I expect at least one of them to get into the mix if, the, if this season, if not both. But in the end, for this Gator class, it it was a top 10 class, and and Mullen is definitely uh, making the roster better his time here in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And this class, especially on defense, uh, six defensive linemen, seven defensive backs, went and got the quarterback uh, that shot up the rankings his senior season in Anthony Richardson. Mm -hmm. So really hit on positions of need in this class, top-end offensive linemen, uh, big-time depth, uh, defensive depth, and, uh, look, can't forget about those transfers either. Brenton Cox, Lorenzo Lingard, Justin Shorter, all five stars. Bingo. Uh, and was able, to, uh, all able to pull those guys in uh, since August.
1: Brenton Cox is a, is, a, is a supreme talent. He's a premier talent. I don't care what anyone says on the red and black side of the ball. I was disappointed to see him go. I liked his game. He's a very nasty linebacker. I would assume he's probably going to fill the role David Reese is leaving uh, in that lineup. Would that be a safe assumption?
3: Um, that or you know, uh, they're on the edge as well with uh Jonathan Gennard and Jabar Zaniga yep. uh going on uh yep. to the NFL. We all and, and look, Todd Grantham for you know, for all the third and Grantham jokes we can throw at him, <laughs> uh, he's oh, been yeah. able to he's, he's been able to find a pass rusher his first two years at Florida. Jakai Polite uh two seasons ago, Jonathan Grenard, Jabar Zaniga this past season, Florida almost had 50 sacks this past year, um, but you know you got to get better in those big games. Didn't have a sack against LSU. Didn't have a sack against Georgia. Right. So, you know, the, while he is getting his defense to accumulate sacks, you got to get better in the big games. So, you know, hopefully it takes a transformation, like a five-star type of talent uh, like Cox uh, to go out there and be able to show up in the bigger games uh in the season because like I said Florida's had no problem at sacking the quarterback it's just when they've been able to to do it and really missing it in those big games
1: right and you already mentioned these two names uh in Lorenzo Lingard the five star transfer from Miami and then Justin Shorter who transferred in from Penn State um is there any word of their both receive immediate eligibility for 2020 will they be able to play immediately
3: uh, Mullen did say last Wednesday when he was going over uh, this class that Lingard and Shorter will both be um, su- su- you know submitting uh, to the NCAA uh, there, you know for, for them to be eligible this coming up season. Lorenzo Lingard probably has a better case. Uh, his dad, he, now look, he wasn't that far to begin with uh, being in Miami, but he's right out he's from right outside of Gainesville. His dad's pretty sick. Um, mm-hmm. That is closer, but, you know, like I said, Miami's not that far, So, but but the NCAA so, does sometimes err on the, the side of caution, and if a player wants to be closer to their family, uh, a sick family member, then a lot of the time they'll grant it. But we've seen them not grant it as well, so you never know with the NCAA. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're
1: not exactly the model of consistency. <laughs> no, they're not
3: so. at all. And then Justin Shorter, uh, I find it hard uh, for him to be eligible. Um, maybe... Mm-hmm if they try the route with some of that Penn state stuff that come out a, a few weeks ago with all yeah. the bullying and all that stuff, then maybe if they're pushing that route of it, then maybe, but we didn't really hear uh, about that when shorter entered the transfer portal. Uh, we didn't necessarily hear that would be the reason why. And then this story comes out a couple of weeks later. So you know, maybe there's something there that's, that's not too far public, but that's not much different than uh, you know Cox um, trying to get eligible last year. that was even a different situation here. He, Left Georgia in August, and to me, there was no way he was going to be eligible to play for Florida, uh, just a couple weeks, uh, yeah, and, and get ready for that 2019 season. It would send the wrong message if players able to leave their program in August and go play somewhere else just a few weeks later in the same season. So, uh, but you, it's like I said, you never know what the NCAA is going to do, and mm-hmm. we'll see how uh, Florida pitches uh, p- pitches the the reasoning for these guys to be eligible.
1: So, if for whatever reason Lorenzo Lindard does in fact not get eligibility, because again, you just it's hard to speculate this with NCAA, we know Damian Pierce is on the on the roster. Besides him, is there another running back that could step up and be used in 2020?
3: I I want to preface this by saying it doesn't matter who's back there right now. This offensive line doesn't play better. Uh, Florida had, to me, a really good back last year in the Michael P. Ryan. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't able to get going because of the offensive line. Daniel Pierce, as you just mentioned, I also think is a really good running back. But, I mean, this offensive line didn't do these guys any favors last year. you got four to five starters uh, from last year returned. But I don't think Gene DeLance gets his starting role back at, at the right tackle position unless he really improves this spring and, and fall camp. Now, it, don't get me wrong, uh, the whole offensive line can improve, but they're, they're young pieces that Florida started to fit in yeah. uh, late last season with Ethan White and Richard Garage. And we really saw them play their best game of the season as, as far as running the ball against Virginia in the bowl games. And maybe that's a glimpse into some of the improvement we'll see from Florida coming up in twenty twenty. So, you know, we'll see uh, with Ethan White, Richard Garage, uh while will either fit in the guard spot or, or garage either to tackle or guard depending on what happens with Stone Forsyth, uh and what side of, what side what tackle spot he'll be at. Uh Brett Heggy returns, but he'll probably more than likely be at center next season. So um I, I think it, a lot of the running game is really prefaced by what the offensive line can do and how big of a jump they can make but I do look for Pierce to be the main back but to, to me the biggest question for Florida's running backs are can Malik Davis recover from uh from a disappointing season last year he yeah. had a dis- disappointing third season last year he got injured both in 2017 2018 he showed a lot of promise in 2017 as a true freshman but it hasn't looked the same since he dealt with fumbling issues early last season and just can never find his groove again so uh, after those two, we'll see if Lingard you know, gets eligible or not. Uh, but, and who's going to break out between Iverson Clement and Naquan Wright? Neither mm-hmm. were really able to play much last year and uh, be looking to make some noise in the spring. So, to me, but right now, if you had to label it, it's Damian Pierce and then everyone, er, everyone else until somebody else can prove uh, that, that they can be a, a capable second back.
1: Speaking of running backs, and th- this is a name that most everybody is familiar with, whether your school has been attached to him or not. And up here in Georgia, Athens and, and and surrounding areas, this has been a name that has come with much chagrin to Georgia fans, Zach Evans, and <laughs> I have to only I have to mention him because I want to get in on the fun here with UF because you guys have kind yeah. of flew under the radar with him a little bit. Um, but where is UF in regards to the Zach Evans saga? Because his name is now is being tied, obviously, to Texas A and M, to Ole Miss, now University of Tennessee, but it also seems like as of late, UF is making a belated push. Is UF back in it with Zach Evans?
3: Uh, I think so. There was um, some rumors going around a couple of weeks ago, before signing day, that he was going to visit Florida, the final visit weekend, uh, you know, before national signing day. That visit didn't happen. Uh, Mullin did visit in home with him, I think, about two weeks before that. Uh, I think the the first the first week where. Um, uh, coaches, no, my bad, it was the second week coaches w- were able to start visiting recruits again after the new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Mullen went in home with Zach Evans and uh, about a day or so later, we had heard uh, that it wasn't going to happen, that he wasn't going to visit Florida. Either Florida had decided to move on, or either he decided to move on. That was not clear at all, but it does seem that there's still the possibility out there It does, uh, from everything I'm hearing right now. Uh, he'll he'll visit in March, but we all know how quickly um, the story changes with Zach Evans. But it looks like the plan right now is for him to visit in March uh, sometime, and then I, I think if the visit happens, I think Florida puts themselves in really really good shape uh, to land his services. But as I said, you you know you never know. The story seems to change every fifteen minutes with Zach Evans. Yeah, and uh, look hey, look, it, it wouldn't surprise me right. It wouldn't surprise me if he's uh, one of the first players out of high school to sit here and maybe, and, I, and this is kind of a joke, but maybe the first player to make his announcement that he's going to go play in the XFL in Go College.
1: <laughs> hey, you know what? Why not? You yeah. Know? Why I mean, not?
3: You just never know uh, what this guy And no, like that's not to say he's a bad kid. No, like no. That. It's just, it's just the, the kind of the circumstance that we know. Uh, there seemed to be a dust-up with a coach there in Texas, and then, Sent his national letter of intent to Georgia. Uh, Georgia decided not to move forward uh, with it, maybe based on some of that trouble uh, off the field. But, you know, it's not to say he's a bad kid or anything like that. I I don't really know. It was a bad situation. It was a bad one-time event. Uh, back when we we hear in December, uh, when I, I think it was like a playoff game or something, where him and the uh, the rumored of him and the coach uh, mm-hmm. maybe getting into an altercation. But besides that, you know, I, I don't know enough to to, to label the kid uh, yeah. a bad kid. I don't want to put that that label on you know any seventeen eighteen year old kid right now. So we'll see where it ends up. I know Florida would like want to have him on the roster, a five-star running back, and that talent. Because we really have never seen Dan Mullen with that type of running back. Even dating back to his offensive coordinator days under Urban Meyer. Yeah, you can say Percy Harvey, but Percy Harvey wasn't a true running back. He was a five-star talent. He took handoffs in the backfield, but he wasn't a true running back. So it would be nice to see what Dan Mullen could do with that style and, and, and that stature of a running back.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm i like you. I, I, I don't have a judgment on the kid. I hope he figures out whatever it is he needs to figure out, and he, he goes what's best for him. So, you know, that, and it's been, it's been an endearing recruitment saga for with Zach Evans, to say the least. It's been one of the more endearing ones I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. So, Dan Mullen has done a great job so far with, with his staff, and what I mean by that is a staff continuity. He hasn't had a whole lot of a turnover when it comes to his staff. Now, Todd Grantham has – come up twice now with two different teams once with the NFL with Cincinnati and then now more recently with the Mississippi State uh opening that Mike Leach field but how important has this staff continuity been for Dan Mullen when he is on the recruiting trail
3: uh, I think it hurts and helps uh, in, in some respects. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it. Uh, I think it helps more than it hurts. But I do think there's two sides to to the story. I, I think it really hits home with offensive line coach John Hevesy and wide receiver coach Billy Gonzalez. Those two were out Florida during the Urban Meyer days with Mullen, and, and Mullen knows those guys very well. It's a machine with those guys. He 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 knows them. Uh, they know him. Uh, there's not not a lot of guessing going on with those and that, you know, that filters over to recruiting because recruits out there definitely know who their position position group is going to be uh, when you start talking about offensive line and wide receivers uh, with Dan Mullen. So those guys aren't going anywhere with uh, Mullen as head coach, but the one coach in that same vein, but kind of draws the ire from Gator fans. You know, we just got through talking about running back, and that's running back coach Greg Nutz, Uh specifically because Florida's failed to land a, a top flight running back recruit in the last two cycles, despite mm-hmm. – Having some very, very favorable conditions with Trey Sanders two cycles ago, Demarcus Bowman uh, a cycle ago. You know, Trey Sanders goes to Alabama, Bowman goes to Clemson. And, and, and you can't, you don't fault those kids. I mean, look, Alabama and Clemson's on, on top of the world most of the time. But yeah. as I said, those were very favorable, especially Demarcus Bowman being from Lakeland. Florida has a Lakeland pipeline. You just grab three recruits from there last cycle. And look, you know, it, and it's not all Knox. I mean, Bowman's mom wanted him to get away from Lake and get away from Florida, so there's not much Florida really could have done there. Bowman grew up a Gator fan; he, he should be wearing orange and blue. But sometimes life gets in the way. That's but right. You know, he he, he failed uh, in gathering some other running backs as well. So you know, that's uh, that's kind of just where it hurts. You, you, you would like to get the elites that you were supposed to get, but you still didn't get. Some other lower-rated prospects you probably were in good shape for either. So, right. and I don't blame him for you know going all in on Demarcus Bowman and then trying to get Jameer Gibbs late too from Georgia Tech. But, you know went all in on those two guys, didn't get either one of them. And with the transfer of Lingard, the you know, Florida felt fine uh, with what they got in at running back because of that. So, you know that uh, Greg Knox, uh, that's probably the the one the fan base looks at but he's been with Mullen for so long too, his whole entire Mississippi State mm-hmm. career. Um, he's probably not going anywhere either. So yeah. uh, that was, that's probably one Florida fans are just going to have to get used to. But All right. uh, it, we'll see. Uh, it, but, you know, recent moves, I, I think it's also important that even uh, those three guys I just mentioned, they've been with Mullen for so long. In you know, recent moves, it, it, it maybe showed that, that continuity is not so important because you know, Mullen made some really, really good hires in David Turner um, last year he's recruited very well uh, along the defensive line was named football scoops, defensive line coach of the year, uh, this past season. And then also he brought in Torian gray, mm-hmm. uh, back to Florida. Uh, so now we get to see, uh, uh, you know, so even more moves, uh, coming up, I know Tim Brewster, um, not official yet, but look, his Twitter profile's got a gator header. Gator head, yeah, <laughs> a I... gator header on the top of it. So it's pretty much been uh, there's just waiting on an announcement now. So everybody knows how good a recruiter and a coach he is. So you know, even when Mullins had to make moves in, in, in terms of replacements, they've been great additions in the last year or so. So um, I think it's important for a lot of the guys that's been around for Mullins for so long. I think those guys are going to stick around. But then, you know, some other some other guys, and uh, as you mentioned. Todd Grantham, we'll see what ends up happening with that. Yeah, yeah, he's looking for a job, uh, but he's looking for the right job. He's not going to take any just plain defensive coordinator jobs. If he's going to be defensive coordinator in college football, it's going to be with Dan Mullen in Florida right now. The only thing that's going to change is if he becomes a head coach somewhere in college or if he becomes the NFL defensive coordinator uh, down the line. But uh, as you can tell, after every year – Two seasons now, Florida's had to deal with uh, the rumors of Todd Grantham and and, and leaving Florida. So you know, we'll, we'll see what Florida can do there to, to maybe shore that up in, in the coming years. But for us right mm-hmm. now, uh, I I do think uh, that there's two sides to that that staff continuity story.
1: Well, sure. Um, let's, let's talk some quarterbacks. It's probably a safe bet to assume that Kyle Trask will be QB1 come the fall. Uh, much has been made about the fact that Kyle Trask is probably the most – talented quarterback coming back in the sec in regards to production and the numbers support that notion uh, however it, it's kind of become an interesting topic i've seen on florida uh, fans twitter is could there be a quarterback controversy of sorts when you have the talent that you have behind them and emory jones and anthony richardson now i know that dan mullen has alluded to using the two quarterback system before in the past do you see that happening or is there a possibility you may have a legit controversy at quarterback this season at Florida?
3: I don't think it's a legit controversy. Um, I think it's a safe bet, safe bet that that Kyle Trask is going to be the guy and right. to me that should be the move. Um, but, look, is the quarterback position ultimately better with a dual-threat quarterback in a Dan Mullen offense? Absolutely. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's the best move right now. Uh, mm-hmm. As you mentioned, Trask set the world on fire last season uh, for Florida numbers. We haven't seen from a quarterback – uh, since Rex Grossman uh, in, in the early 2000s, we, but he had no help from a running game. Everybody knew Florida was going to throw the ball. So, you know, credit Dan Mullen and, and Kyle Trash for shifting in philosophy uh, and, and still finding success. You know, Florida was, yes, they were loaded at wide receiver, but, you know, Mullen's still a, a ground and pound coach at heart, uh, but still found success in, in going with more of a passing attack good enough to win 11 games, you know, give LSU and Georgia a run for their money. That was only two Florida's losses, uh, only Florida's two losses of the season uh, there. But, you know, so I give a lot of credit there because that wasn't the offense we thought we would see coming, coming in to, to last year. For right. Franks goes down. Uh, you thought you'd have more of a running aspect from the quarterback with him in there uh, as well. So Florida had to kind of just figure things out on the fly, and it ended up working for the most part. But, you know, this is not too... Uh, you know, To shy away from Emory Jones, uh, I think he gets a lot of playing time this coming up season. Mm-hmm. Of course, a lot of people want to go back and, and look at how Dan Mullen used Chris Lee and Tim Tebow and, and try and figure that out. But they, they were, I'll admit, there were times last year it looked clunky. Um, Kyle Trask would be in a groove, and then here come Emory Jones, and then Kyle Trask would get out of his groove. Or yeah. Emory Jones would start a drive, and it just wouldn't get going. And the LSU game, it, it, to me, it worked about as good as it could. Uh, that was the best it, the two-quarterback system had looked all year from Florida. But besides that, it just looked really, really clunky at, at times last year. But f- for me, and, and looking at it right now from afar, a lot of people will, well, if Jimmy Jones doesn't get the job Does he transfer? To me, right now, it, it does him no good to transfer unless he doesn't think he can win the job next season. Uh, sit in this offense one more year because right now, if you transfer, you'd have to sit out. Yeah. And so you you might as well wait your turn. You'll probably be the guy next year. So sitting out, transferring, and sitting out this coming kind up of year doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. So you know, be around the offense uh, one more year. Be around these players one more year. Get more playing time uh, and be ready to fly uh, next season if that's the case. But look, uh, he could come out this spring and light the world on fire, mm-hmm. and, and he, he could be the quarterback. But right now. I think, you know, the first snap of spring, I think Kyle Trask has taken that snap. And I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he, I don't think he looks back there. I do expect to see both quarterbacks there. Uh, maybe Anthony Richardson, of course, I, you know, the plan would be to keep his red shirt, play, sure. let him play in four, get four games. Uh, but I'm hearing really good early returns on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the, Prototypical Dan Mullen, big-bodied quarterback, big arm, uh, can move, can throw, uh, and he worked here locally in Jacksonville with uh, with quarterback coach Denny Thompson, same one as Carson Beck at Georgia. They worked with the same quarterback coach uh, there, and Anthony Richardson had a really, really, really good senior season before he got injured. So, but um, as you said. There is a contingent of Gator fans uh, out there who mm-hmm. really, really want to see emmy Jones uh, starting at quarterback because of, of his ceiling and the ceiling of the offense with a dual-threat quarterback. But I don't think it plays out this way. That doesn't mean that's the best option in 2020. Right.
1: Speaking of 2020, there are lofty expectations for the Florida program after two 10-win seasons, 11 win in 2019. Dan Mullen has, has righted the ship, so to speak, in Florida. He's got them on the right – He's got him on an upward swing. So what are the expectations outside of the national media who have already kind of labeled Florida as a media darling and even probably going ahead and ready to crown Florida with the East crown on account of the attrition that Georgia's experiencing in regards to quarterback position and uh, positions on the uh, offensive line. But what are the expectations in the fan base of Florida for 2020? Championship or bust?
3: Yeah, it is. It's definitely SEC Easter bust. Uh, and the, the Gator fans are tired of losing to Georgia. <laughs> I, I know that 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 one is there. That one is there. And I tell you that, that, that Florida Georgia game that hurt Florida last year. Uh, you know, uh, so you know, good for Florida to be able to bounce back and not lose another game the rest of the season. I know that the mm-hmm. schedule eased up a bit, but you know that uh, that that stung. That that one stung for for Gator Nation uh, there because you know Florida was playing so good going into that game. Georgia was kind of you know, treading. Tread water going through that game. Just had
1: the, the you game can say it. Kentucky. They were they were clunking along. They they weren't. Yeah, clunking along. You yeah. had that game against
3: Kentucky. and it didn't really look all too good. And, mm-hmm. and Florida was playing good. You know, had yeah, they lost to LSU two games before that. But you know it had looked go, good going to Baton Rouge, and then uh beat a South Carolina you know, a team that Georgia had lost to previously. And you know, everything mm-hmm. just kind of lined up, but uh, it, it didn't happen. And that's the last, almost say like last hurdle, but that's the next hurdle. Dan Mullen and, and this staff has to get over. You got to find a way to beat Georgia. And as you mentioned, this might be the year because of uh, the Gator Killer, Jake Fromm leaving, and so many offensive linemen and DeAndre Swift. But that you know, that defense still returns a whole lot yeah. of uh, a, of a lot of talent for Georgia. So they'll be in every game just because of that defense. But look, the, from the fan base, it is. You know, it's time to challenge for the SEC. It's time to compete for a college football playoff spot. You know, many are, are pointing to the to, to Georgia and LSU losing so much talent, making so many coaching changes that this is the year to take advantage. So you go and you look at all these way too early rankings, like you like you mentioned, and they're all pretty split on choosing Florida or Georgia to yeah. win the SEC East. I think I saw out there um, somebody had compiled, I think like fifteen to twenty. Way too early polls, and Florida and Georgia were dead even. So it's it, it, you're in averaging all those polls together. So from the fan base perspective, this year is this is a year for Florida to take advantage, where they are returning their quarterback. You can still work in Emory Jones too. You can take take advantage of so many other teams replacing their quarterbacks and coaches. I mean, look, not only not only are, are, are is Georgia and LSU losing their quarterback, Alabama's have got to replace Tua as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, Florida does lose four Robert Stevens, uh, but half of that production yards returns with Kyle Pierce, Trevon Grimes, Kadarius Tony, Uh I as I mentioned, was the best all around back, but Pierce may be a better pure running back. And so uh, the offensive line, as I mentioned, has got to take that next step. And the biggest question on defense is how does Florida replace Jonathan Gubbard, Gennard, and Jabari Zuniga? The sacks they produced. Uh, Grantham, as I mentioned, great time, great time finding two pass rushers in his first two seasons, uh, and they'll be looking at probably Brenton Cox to fill that role, but right. it's it for for Todd Grantham, you know, for Dan Mullen, as I said, overall as the coach is is to beat Georgia, but a lot right. of it that is, you know, Todd Grantham getting his defense ready and, and producing in, in those big games. Because you go back and look at that LSU and, and Georgia game, couldn't really stop LSU altogether. Not many teams could. Okay, you get a pass no. for that one, but but but, but the Georgia game, uh, and, and as we said, the, the offense, the Georgia offense, kind of struggling coming into that game. Struggling on third down for most of the season, but as I said, we can joke about third and Grantham because it, it it reared its head again. That's right. Uh, with with uh, in Jacksonville, uh, with Jake Fromm and that offensive line, uh, just kind of owning that game. So as I said, that he's gone, Joe Burrow's gone, two is gone. Florida returns a whole lot. Returns their quarterback, so that you, you can see why a lot of people are falling in love uh, with Florida. The talent may not be their top end. But with all these teams trying to figure out new coaching staffs and mm-hmm. so many moving pieces, I think that's why it looks so even for Florida this year.
1: Absolutely. And it stands to reason that the game on Halloween of 2020 this year, which is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, once again will represent the winner. Whoever wins that game will probably go on to Atlanta to represent the SEC East in the SEC Championship. Gonna be a Here's, a, it,
3: yeah, here's the thing about that. F- Florida has never been to Atlanta when they've lost to Georgia. Now this year could be different because Georgia's got that. You know, Georgia you know, has the harder schedule. Yeah, this year you're as correct. Far as, yep. uh, the West, you know, you got to play Alabama, got to play Auburn. Florida gets Ole Miss and LSU out of the West. So you know that may- maybe you know, maybe that game's kind of a tiebreaker there with George- Georgia having to play Alabama and Auburn. But you know, you go back and look at it when 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 they're East and West. Divisions were made in the early nineties. Mm. Florida's never been to Atlanta when they've lost to Georgia, so that lets you know how important that game is for Florida. Florida has to win that game as they want to get to Atlanta.
1: It's equally as important for Georgia. I always say this is the game that I marked on the calendar every single year. This is the most important game of the regular season for both of these teams, regardless of what. Any, if you're honest with yourselves, as a Georgia fan, as a Florida fan, this is the most important team, not just for getting to Atlanta, but also for bragging rights for the next year to come. <laughs> David, I can't thank you enough for being on here. Great, great conversation. We really appreciate it. Take a moment, David, and tell people how they can find you and your work on social media and your podcast.
3: Yeah, everybody can follow Gators Breakdown at news4jax.com Gators Breakdown. Got a partnership with WJXC Channel 4 News 4 Jax here in Jacksonville. Uh, there, so the podcast is hosted there, but you can also find it on all the platforms, all the all the podcast platforms out there. And everybody can follow me on Twitter at GatorDave_SEC underscore SEC for all kind of uh, Florida Gator thoughts, some live thoughts as well. I uh, got to have some fun with Twitter out there, but uh, most people will follow can follow me. We'll get a whole lot of Gators coverage.
1: Hey, David, again, thank you so much for the civil conversation. So Dator fans, Georgia fans, take note. This is a possibility. You can do this. (laughs) So David, thank you again so very much for being with us. We really appreciate your time. And uh, I gotta say it, man. Go Dogs. Thank you much. Go Gators. Hi man.